Well, good morning. Uh, it is so good to get to be here and to do church with you all. Um, I don't know if you saw in the notification, but there was a, you know, sitting stay-at-home order started last night, uh, but it, it specifically listed indoor religious services, so we are still legally allowed to do this, which is why we're doing it. But we're just kind of recommitting to all the precautions that we can be taking just to, just to do this right. Um, I was talking with Ryan, you know, we've been doing this for, gosh, probably 15 Sundays about, and um, no transmissions, so that's, that's good. And let's keep it that way. So that's, that's a good commitment from uh, our congregation. A um, couple things before we get started in today. Uh, today is Communion Sunday. You should have gotten the little uh, communion packets from the table at the front. If you didn't, you can go grab those right now. If you did, you can probably start on trying to slowly unwrap those because it's kind of hard to get the cracker off the top without spraying juice all over yourself. Um, but uh, a couple quick announcements. Um, First of all, is that next Saturday, six days from today, uh, there are um, eight of us, um, eight or ten of us who are going down to Mexico to serve um, at uh, an orphanage there, Rancho La Hermosa, that we're going to get getting started with. An incredible opportunity. Um, it's a beautiful little spot. It's super isolated up in the hills, and, and we're going just to um, uh, throw a Christmas party for them. And I know 28, uh, 29 kids have been sponsored through the church. That's awesome. Um, if you brought your gift in the bag, you can go ahead and drop it off at the table uh, before or after service. If you're here and you're saying, I took one of those, but I forgot to bring it today, um, you can bring it to the office on Tuesday morning. Uh, we will be there, uh, you know, first half of the day on Tuesday. Um, or you can email me, talk to me after service about a time that does work for you. We can, we can figure that out of when I can get that from you. But we're really excited. So this Saturday, we're going to be going down there. A couple guys are going to be building a playhouse um, for the kids on the property. And then um, some of the people are going to be uh, putting on a, uh, a bunch of activities, Christmas crafts and outdoor games. And, um, and then some uh, uh, the, the, the presents will be opening. Each kid will be getting their own presents. So very excited about that. A very cool opportunity. And um, yeah, so if you can just be praying for us, um, those of you who are not going, just that we have a, a good experience, a good trip, and that it's really the start of a relationship in which we have the opportunity to serve there. Um, another uh, two announcements. One is that uh, we miss the element of community groups, of discussing the application, discussing some of the elements from the Sunday message. Uh, but times are different right now. So what we've done is we have gone ahead and published a home study. And um, uh, Taylor, where, where will that be? It's on the website and on the app. And um, our thought with this is this is a great thing for you to do as a family. Um, if, however, you say, well, there's one other family, you know, that, that we get together with three nights a week, whatever, they're kind of in our bubble, then if you want to, you could extend it to them. We're leaving this up to you, um, but those, those guides are available, discussion guides are available on the website and on the app, and just kind of talking through some of the elements of the Sunday's message, or you can do it as a family, and we're just going to kind of leave that up to you. Lastly, Ryan and I um, we're kind of looking just for any other opportunities that we can connect as a church. Um, anything else available um, to our disposal. And we're looking at some of our equipment and realized we could do a podcast for, you know, with the equipment we had. So uh, we went ahead and have been thinking about this for a while. And we, we started a podcast this past week um, that is different than the church one. So if you search Soundhouse Church, you'll see one that is basically just an audio version of our services. So today's service is a podcast available by this afternoon. But we started a little bit of a pet project, um, Ryan and I, and we're calling it Folk Theology. Um, folk just meaning common, meaning the people's theology. And the reason that we're doing this is 
twofold. One is we feel like there's a lot of uh, pieces of our faith that most Christians don't understand, and so we can kind of dissect those and talk about those. But two, and this is probably more the leading one, we find that there's a lot of bad theology um, that is, is, is kind of baseless, doesn't come from Scripture, but it, it just kind of um, starts as folk theology, folk wisdom that kind of spreads. And after a couple generations, it becomes the, the commonly accepted theology of, of evangelical Christian faith that we're a part of, even though when you look at Scripture, you're saying there's actually, there's no basis for this. Where do we, how do we end up thinking this way? Um, so we're kind of looking at those, looking where a lot of these uh, kind of bad pieces of our theology came from and uh, talking about the takeaway, talking about the application of those. So if you're interested, it's called Folk Theology. It's up. We're going to try and do like an episode a week. Um, If you're not interested, no worries. Just a little fun pet project that Ryan and I are enjoying. Uh, Lastly, today is Communion Sunday, as I mentioned, and we're going to be reading a passage uh, from 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. And this is actually the very earliest account of the, uh, the Last Supper was actually in the book of Corinthians. It was written earlier than the Gospels. Um, and ironic that we're going to be looking at the, um, the Last Supper uh, commemorating Christ's death and resurrection uh, at the same Sunday that we are beginning to talk about his birth. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's significant because as we look at this Advent story starting today, we should keep this in mind. Um, that this wasn't uh, plan B. This was the plan since before Christ was born, uh, was to come as the Messiah and was to offer redemption to all of humanity. Um, So I think it's important that we we keep this fresh in our minds as we uh, talk about the Advent story. I'm going to read this passage and pray, and then we'll take communion. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Dear Heavenly Father, today as we begin to remember the story of your birth, of of your arrival on this earth, Lord, I pray that we keep this in mind. I pray that we keep in mind that your blessing on this family, uh, your arrival on this earth was with this in mind, the deliverance of all humanity and the reconciliation of humanity with you. Be with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Um, while you guys are still finishing up, um, when you are finished, feel free to just get, you know, wave around with those around you, say hi, greet each other, and um, I'll get started in just one second. Wow, I get to watch the struggle of the opening for everybody.
Oh, well, like Chad was saying, we, we're, we're just going to begin our series um, entering into Advent season. And um, man, I, I think for, for a lot of us, the Christmas season is like, uh, you know, obviously it starts in September, starts to really gain steam coming in, uh, in December. And so I think for us, like us as a family, the Grable family, like it, it's a, something we really, really like kind of build to. I know a lot of people do. We have a lot of traditions around that. And so during the time of building and working and uh, with our family and having all these traditions and celebrating, we always as a church want to model the Advent season alongside of, of that same anticipation we feel to see family and friends or to, uh, you know, even for Christmas morning, but us as a church. And then just continuing to ground us and mirror, mirroring the same path, but with this expectation that, you know, something really big happened. And so if you're new to an Advent series for us, this is what we tr traditionally will do. But there's like this anticipation that we want to build as a church. We, we, um, we're pretty committed, Chad and I, about not trying to just go through the motions, about like really embracing the season and really trying to build that anticipation like we do with, with Easter. And, you know, the Christmas story is like a, a very cute story. We see kids' plays about the story. Um, you know, we see like our nativity scenes and we kind of see the finished product of the story. Um, but there's so much around the Christmas story and journey. Now, a lot of you know, like it started way back with this promise that a Savior was going to come. And there was a continual rhythm of projections or prophecies that this day is coming. It started to get much more specific as the day neared for the birth of Christ. And so you start to kind of see almost like birth pains that this, this was building to a moment. And why we always want to take this and kind of dig in historically, dig into the story, and kind of just kind of unearth a lot of things that kind of get glossed over in the Christmas season, especially in, in our Christian faith, is there's so much happening, but you can see the birth pains beginning to happen. You can see the intensity of it, and you can see the moment of why Christ came and the significance of it for everybody. But, you know, I know that, you know, we know what it feels like to anticipate something. And I think sometimes when I look at, like, a new iPhone being released, there can be, unfortunately, sometimes more anticipation for that iPhone release than there is in the anticipation of what Christ did. And so we just kind of want to bring that up, remind us every week as we head into the Christmas season. Um, but this series we wrote... I, you know, when we put the title down, celebrating something incredible, but the way we title it might not seem like that. But I felt like, and Chad and I were talking about this, it feels very relevant for maybe where some people feel in the current season that we're even now as we're going into the Christmas season. So we, t <laughs> I, I, I can't believe I'm even hesitating to announce this. We titled it A Difficult Christmas. And so that's kind of like such a like, but prom I promise you it's not. This whole series is a series of hope, even in the midst of what I feel now is, for a lot of people, uh, this is a, a unique, different Christmas season for us. And there's the obvious of why we're all, you know, spaced in a park here, 
but there's, you know, there's people who've experienced tremendous loss. There's people who've experienced, like, job loss. There's people who can't travel to see their relatives. So there's a lot of difficulty even around our Christmas season. So it will give us hope, and we want to build strength and confidence that there was difficulty in that season as well. And what hope does, what peace does in the middle of a difficult time, man, I tell you what, it has carried many people across the finish line in life. And so let's pray and then we'll get started. God, we love you. We thank you so much. We, we first of all, just um, pray for all of our safety, pray for all of our health, God, pray for our loved ones, God, pray for um, just even in, in the season that traditionally people do experience more depression and, and traditionally people are already there. God, we pray for those people and we pray for any others who would be at a down spirit as we're going into Christmas, God. And if there's anyone here who may be feeling that, we, we, God, we pray that you just show them the beauty of the Christmas story and who you are in the midst of any difficulty or struggle and God instill hope and instill peace in us as your people. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. This the kind of a focus for the whole series, I'm going to do a little series intro and then I'll teach a short message about it, um, is, is how the birth of Jesus brought peace and hope in difficult times. So we're going to take the entire narrative from a few different angles of why when Christ came, it wasn't, it wasn't perfect timing in a way, how we would say it, it didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy time for Christ to come. And so we're going to look at all these different pieces, but what happens in that moment and how it began to change literally the face of the earth through Christ coming. I think this series, we're, we're, we're doing this to ask, challenge us to ask, can I say or answer the question, I have hope and peace even in the most difficult times of my life or what I'm experiencing? We want to have our church answer that question, right? And I think even in circumstances all around me, is there still peace and hope? Am I grounded and am I rooted in something even in a difficult time in our life? And will we be able to answer this is does Christ, what does Christ's hope and peace look like? We want to in this series answer those questions. What does it feel like to experience that? When do you know you're experiencing that? Now, how can you identify that, or how can you put your arms around it as well? Um, you know, as we were talking about the series, we're, we, were, we were trying to really anchor people in their peace and hope in times, but really, ultimately, weatherproof, maybe is probably the word I can use here. We want to weatherproof and time-tested time our hope and trust in God in any situation. And so, you know, like anything that's weathered, and if you have uh, something, that, a car that's weathered, if you have clothes that are weathered, right, they're exposed to the surrounding elements around them. It weathers them. If you have something in a glass case and it has, you know, the right amount of oxygen in it and it's pressurized, it will be pristine and, res and preserved. But our life is not like that. We, we, we experience the weathering of life, the circumstances of life. And God promises that there's something that surpasses all of that. There's something that's greater than anything that would try to weather you. But we have to make sure that we weatherproof and, can, and, and keep that protected, that hope and trust and peace and what God is and what he's doing. 
We want to strengthen it. We want to make it durable. And we ultimately, I think, want to make you be at a place of security in your trust in God, no matter what is coming. We recently, um, uh, are, so we have four kids. Three of them have cell phones. And if you are a parent, you may understand how, what I'm going to say. When we went to go get them the, these new phones, a phone is like, do you remember when they were cheap, you know, and they were like, you were t 9 Do you remember that? Anybody's old enough for that? Like, it, 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 these iPhones are like unbelievably expensive. And so as we uh, decided to make this investment for our kids and how, <laughs> how easily your day can be ruined if it drops in water, if you crack a screen, do you, you know, when you crack your screen, and your whole day is done, and you're just like in a moment of mourning, right? Or when you drop it, and it didn't break the relief you have. We understand this, right? Are we all on the same page? There's a problem. We all have a problem. And with the kids, when I, when I got these, I, deci- <laughs> I decided against their will that I was going to get the most secure cases I could possibly get to protect my investment. Then, you know, right away, it's like, these cases are ugly. These are gross. I'm embarrassed to have these cases because they're literally bricks. And But I was like, that's my investment. I'm protecting it no matter what. I'm not going to replace anything. I'm going to just make sure it's safe. When we, when we are looking at our peace and hope, we, we really do honestly have to remind ourselves, sure ourselves up in our confidence in Christ that he is who he is no matter what happens. And I think a lot of times we will kind of walk out in the world exposed in a way, affected by all these elements, and then eventually discouraged about our trust and hope in God. And we want to kind of weatherproof that in the series a little bit. But, I, you know, I, I, I get it. Like, right now, I mean, I, I've talked to a few people whose lives have been radically changed by what's even happening right now in our country. I've talked to people who have uh, missed out on big opportunities because of the things that are happening right now or couldn't see a loved one or couldn't experience something important because of the way that we have to be able to keep a certain distance. But I kind of think of it like this. I have Jenga up here. Thank you, Austin, for setting this up. Mm. And, And all of you know this game really well. I think a lot of times... And maybe you can maybe you can maybe identify with this a little bit, that this would be what it looks like if everything is perfect and our security and faith is rooted in peace and hope in God. And I think ultimately God what God has intended for us originally has been, listen, there's something greater than anything that can come your way that you possess. I'll read a passage in a little bit, but there is this valuable treasure deep inside of you that actually is is incredible that you can contain it in a weak fleshly body, but it lasts beyond all things. It can give you strength in all circumstances, and this essentially is what God wants for us, is a secure foundation standing on him. What happened? and it happens to everyone, it happens to me, is that when one of these blocks, if we say this is our security, when one of these blocks 
Austin, you did this too good. I mean, I, I, well, here we go. When one of these blocks come out, and let's say this is like financially, we are struck financially. The, the, the structure's still here, and it might not have been the block that pulled us all down or completely collapsed our trust and faith or brought us into a place of just absolute, like, give up. Maybe financially didn't do it for some, but some, it could be this. Like, man, and I'm, I'm probably feeling this the most, is that um, the, uh, the change of everything, the change of all of my routine. I, I'm someone who has to operate on routines. Otherwise, I, I'm just never in a good place when that happens. So I have to have disciplines and routines. The change for me has, like, been hard just to kind of change everything. But that, that might rock our foundations and maybe bring us into a place of despair. But God says, you know, <laughs> even if these things are gone, even if those things are tested, my structure shouldn't fail. But, you know, for a lot of people it can be, I literally am going to play Jenga here. Um, for a lot of people it can be this, like the political craziness happening right now, it's too much, it's rocking me. God, where are you? God, why aren't you doing anything about what's happening? But I think eventually something's going to bring us down if we're not securing and trusting ourselves because it might be health, it might be a relational struggle, it could be depression, it could be a job connection, or it could be a job, it could be the lack of loss of connection. Even for a parent, it could be like watching your kids have to learn new social norms and it's hard to see that all of them have had to adjust to that. That's hard to deal with as a parent. Or even just... A, a, a cousin or a relative who, who had a child that you weren't able to be at the hospital for some reasons. That's hard. And we want to acknowledge that that is all very difficult things. And we know that and we can all as a community say, yes, we feel it. But what my concern is, is that at some point, at what point of our, of, of our life, the outside circumstances, do they, do they bring us to a toppling point and then pretty soon, it becomes uh, our whole trust is gone, or we're completely crushed and devastated. I don't know what your block is. I don't know if you've been tested yet, or maybe you have been. But I want to encourage you that to build our trust on this type of system and our faith in Christ and our hope that he's got it. And we're going to have to just, even when we can't see, we've got to see with our spiritual eyes. To build on that type of foundation and trusting in these, you will eventually have a block that's pulled that will, that will bring it down. And so I'm going to try to encourage us in this series to just stay focused on that. I'll tell you what, you know who is a great example, if you're looking for one in Scripture, is the Apostle Paul. Paul had almost his entire structure that he would have put his confidence in one by one removed his education removed his status removed his uh his authority removed uh his life and safety removed right uh imprisonment his even his freedom removed people that loved him and cared about him uh, seemingly some would turn on him, removed. Paul had as much as you could possibly have removed, but Paul would say, nevertheless, I put my hope here, right? My future hope is here in all circumstances. You read some of his writings, he would write from a horrible pit prison in Rome, and they would be full of joy and peace. He 
was grounded to something deeper, right? And we want to know why and how he was able to do that. We're going to examine the first Christmas in the midst of conflict, in the midst of difficulty. Each week we're going to look at the uh, difficult circumstances around Christ's arrival. And today we're going to just look at one piece. And if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke, starting in chapter 1. And we're going to read, um, starting in verse 26. But before I get there, I titled this message, probably different than all of the nativity scenes that we'll see, I titled this message, A Family in Crisis. And when you look at this family, how everything began, the moment God showed up in their life and called them to something different, they, they became a, fam- a family in crisis. And um, we always watch these Christmas movies where everything's going wrong, everything's bad, but finally at the end, everything works out. I think of like Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase, right? Everything is going wrong. And, uh, you know, the SWAT team breaks into their house, but at the end, everything works out. This is a family in crisis. We're used to this narrative when it comes to Christmas, but somehow in the end, it's all pulled together. I feel like those are a little bit of a modern-day version of what has happened to this family, where things were projected and expected to go one way, but then things went another way that they weren't expecting. And this, all, this whole message, the whole direction, is how Jesus can and does bring peace and hope even in the midst of changes that we didn't expect, even in the midst of difficulty and in the midst of brokenness, and, and in this case, even relational brokenness. Um, so our central characters who we're going to focus on today is Mary and Joseph. And um, Mary and Joseph, like I would saying, they're kind of a curated version of Mary and Joseph that we kind of see now. But when you read the Bible, one of the things that's helpful to do sometimes, and this is why culturally it helps to know how it, wor- how it is, contextually, even in the way the language is, to, you can sometimes read between the lines of Scripture. And, and, and yes, I do say that it takes some degree of like understanding to do that because you can go off the rails. But their story, you can see what's happening culturally between the lines with Mary and Joseph. So you can sometimes fill in the blanks of what's probably happening to them as a couple. And this is a story with Mary and Joseph that is, that, that's an easy of like, Mary could ask, why me? Which she kind of does. And then, why this way? And then ultimately, we could probably say, why now? And this is that kind of story, right? I kind of want to take this story and take the rose-colored glasses off so we can feel the humanity of what's happening here with Mary and Joseph and their story and their journey. Um, We're going to see a family kind of in three phases in this part I'm going to read. Three kind of three areas where you see difficulty happening and struggling happening, crisis in a way, but yet peace and hope sustains them and gives them the fuel, the energy to, to, to continue to the finish line with, with uh, going to Bethlehem. Um, so the first thing you're going to see if you open up to Luke 1, is you're going to see it right away. And this is where we can read in between the lines here a little bit, that culturally, M- Mary is betrothed to Joseph. Um, there's a whole cultural system around that, There's definitely a lot of family discussion and arrangement around that. 
and marries a young woman who, and imagine young, young brides or brides, when you were getting married, you, maybe from a young age, you envisioned your wedding, you envisioned your life, you, you, all you could see is this perfect man, this knight in shining armor who will listen to you and not have any hobbies that take away time for right? Which obviously didn't happen, but, but we have all these kind of ideas and expectations, and we can't think that Mary didn't have those as well. And there was a whole culture that was really promoting and supporting those same expectations Mary would have had. So she had plans going one way. Her and Joseph had plans. And then God shows up, and their plans change unexpectedly. The Bible says this in uh, 2632, or 26 through 32, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the village of Galilee. Verse 27, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. This is the Lord, this is, uh, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could possibly mean. And he assures her, don't be afraid. So right away you can see, this has completely thrown her for a loop. Who is she? Why her? She's essentially, I would say, socially almost a nobody. She has no power, no clout. But he comes to her, and this is disturbing to her. But he says, don't be afraid. The angel told her, if you, for you have found favor with God, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now, for a mother, I'm, and hearing that, A, you're going to give birth, B, the gender re- reveal was already blown, and C, you're going to name my child. So, even just with this, her plans are, are radically changing. And you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and called the Son of the Most High. And she's confused going, wait, I, I, I am a virgin. I, I don't understand how this is going to work. I, I've got a fiancé. This is complicating my life. And I'm sure she's going, you know, hey, that sounds great, but... I, I had plans for a normal life, and her plans changed unexpectedly. Yeah, yeah, but listen, but you understand, I'm engaged. Like, the, the, like can, you, can, can you appear? She, it would have been great if, he, if the angel appeared to her entire family and let everyone know, but this did not happen. And so she's probably very concerned at the same time. And... Lastly, culturally, it, it, I would imagine she's thinking, this, this doesn't fly around here. It's a small town. People talk a lot. And if I am pregnant and I'm not married, it doesn't go well here. And it doesn't for Mary. And, you know, when you think about all this, we have to sometimes remember who, she, who, who this young girl was and what her and Joseph are about ready to experience. As Christmas is coming, it's coming in the midst of even difficulty for these people as individuals. I always want to make sure when I'm reading the Bible that I can humanize the people I'm reading about. Sometimes it's difficult because we read them as these historical figures who are kind of, you know, uh, curated in a way. But these are real people. 
very much relatable to us, very much feeling difficulty, struggle, unexpected change, and a radical change in our own life. We can relate to this when we have to hang on to hope. But no matter what, what, I, what you see in their story is so much changed, but they didn't become bitter about it. Even though God's causing that change for them, they did not become bitter about it. They were filled with hope and peace, and it held them in a hard time. When unexpected change happens, I think it's right to feel grief and loss, right? When it happens, it's okay. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. Like, for me, just the church change has been really hard for me, and I don't know about you. But as someone, and Chad and I will talk about this, and I've kind of talked to him about it a little bit of like, you know, when you work for for seven years, like, you know, just everything you got of, and just seeing what was happening and like, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to go on too long about this, but second Sundays and we're doing these festivals and all this other stuff. And it's just part of how I work. I love to create. I love to make, I love to like, you know, our team excited to do something. And I love to see our church really experience what we're doing. When that all happened, the unexpected change, I, I'll be honest with you, it was hard, hard, hard for me. And I still struggle with it. And so, yes, we all have things where a change can happen, and it's okay to feel the loss. You don't have to put it aside and go, well, I shouldn't think about that. That's bad. You can grieve it, but just remember that it, 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 you want to make sure that you're not building your whole structure on this type of structure. You can grieve it, but there's still strength in the middle of that. When you look at weddings, I've done weddings where there was 150 people to 200 people that were going to be there, and I did it in a backyard, and it was uh, almost in the dark of the night. And that was hard for that bride, and it was tough. But I was so impressed that she had something stronger to hang on to than, um, than um, what she expected and didn't happen. A senior year, I mean... I, I think about seniors this year, and I think, man, they might be doing Zoom graduations. That's, that's hard, and I think my heart goes out to seniors who are experiencing that. Or you're out of college, and, and you're getting ready to start your new job, and you're like, wait, there's no jobs. That, that's hard, and so these are real, real truthful things. Baby showers, I know that might, for some, seem insignificant, but it's a big deal, and to, to drive by and honk is hard. It's a change, you know? Business struggles and then just plans in general. It's okay to, to, to know that there's difficulty in that, but we, we, I'll tell you that there's a hope that, that can carry you through that and should carry you through that when we do not build on this structure. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers, probably noted for preaching the most sermons of any pastor or preacher in history. Uh, in the 1800s was just like, I mean, everywhere, all over, a great theologian. He said this, I love this quote. Hope itself is, is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the night of adversity. And hope is like a star, and it shines brightest, the hope we have, in the midst of adversity. And so that's how powerful it is to hang on to hope in the midst of difficulty. And as if change, if the change of plans weren't enough for Mary and Joseph, so their whole social lives changed. Their family and probably how they viewed them changed. 
Mary, even in the beginning for three months, even stayed with her cousin who would have been supportive because she also knew what was happening. But she's not even with her own family for the first three months of her pregnancy. So things probably weren't great. But then, then God is moving them through this census ultimately taken by, by Caesar to travel 80 miles on a, as she's about ready to give birth, pregnant, walking, riding a donkey, traveling through very dangerous terrain, almost in an uphill manner. And now they're asked to then, with all the change, take on a difficult journey. And that might be where some of us are now. A lot of change happened, a lot of difficult things happened, and then a journey has now had begun. But listen to this, Luke 2, 1 through uh, 4, and this might give some insight into how powerful this story is. It said, at the time of the Roman Empire, Augustus decreed that the, a census would be taken all throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Cornelius was governor of Syria. Now, verse 3, all returned to their own ancestral towns. It would literally be like wherever you were born or wherever your family is born or from or come from, you've got to go there. So for me, I'm going to Nuevo, Michigan, town of 1,500 people, you know, thousands of miles away. And everyone for generations from there would go there. So what I'm trying to tell you is as they're going on this journey, to all these cities everywhere. Bethlehem, this very small town, this insignificant town at the time, is now going to have all of Joseph's family around him. All would go to their ancestral town to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem has a lot of significance. Bethlehem is not just a little town, Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread, right? So house of bread was important because at the end of the day, it was a celebration ultimately of the manna God provided for his people. Jesus displayed multiple times, two times in particular, where he essentially provided manna-like food for people. So there's this whole thing wrapped around this house of bread. And God is specifically bringing him because of a prophecy to Bethlehem, the house of bread of which God will feed his people. And Jesus, the bread of life, what we just did in communion, is represented at the house of bread Bethlehem, and the, and the bread of life is born there to give life. So there's a lot of meaning around this. So he's on his way. It's an 80-mile journey uh, and it, to, Dave, to David's ancient home, and I'll pick up here. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Now, I want to read this little prophecy because I think it's helpful because the culture is knowing this is happening. Maybe Mary and Joseph know about this prophecy. And, but it's a prophecy to basically to the forgotten Bethlehem, the small nothing of a town at the time. And it's in Micah 5. And it says this, But you, O Bethlehem, this is the prophecy of Jesus coming forth, are only a small village amongst the people of Judah, yet, a ruler whose origins are in the distant past will come from you and on behalf until a woman in labor give birth and will return all of us from exile, essentially spiritually. 
and will stand and lead his flock, his people, in the Lord's strength. And the last part of the prophecy is, he will be the source of peace. And so this journey they're taking, although hard, although difficult, no pregnant woman wants to ride on a mule 80 miles in the desert. Am I right? It's, it's a no-go. It's a hard situation. It's dangerous. But they go anyways. And I'll just say this from this part of the story. is This is the difficult and uncomfortable journey. But even in those difficult, uncomfortable journeys, they can be a path to destiny. And so they're on their way to the house of bread, city, where the bread of life is going to be born and peace will then begin to reign and rule on this earth. And so destiny waits there for them in the midst of the difficult journey. We can't lose hope when we're going through a journey and it feels hard and impossible because I don't know what God has on the other end of that. But I do know from personal experience and from Scripture, sometimes almost destiny is waiting on the other side of that. Mary... I would say this, like Mary, we experience difficult journeys, but like Mary carrying the literal hope and peace of the world in her, we have the same thing, minus the morning sickness. We have the same thing. We're carrying the peace and hope of Christ inside of each one of us. And so sometimes you're going like, well, yeah, of course, Mary's going to be fine. Look at her. I mean, she's carrying Christ. Of course, she's going to be fine. But I don't think she thought that. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that ourselves when we're going through hard times. We carry the same peace and light that can help us endure any journey. Listen to 2 Corinthians. I read this a couple weeks ago. But I love this passage. And if any of us in here are discouraged or, or struggling or even just experiencing difficulty, remind, remind yourself of this passage. It's in uh, 2 Corinthians 4.7. We now have this light shining in our hearts, essentially what Mary was carrying. But we ourselves are like fragile clays of jar containing the greatest treasure. Though we seem weak on the outside, there's something super strong and, and uh, I would say valuable and incredible inside. And then it goes on to say, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed because we're not built on this structure. We're built on something different. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair because we have something greater than this structure in our life that we put our hope in. But I'll say this, this is a family in crisis. They traveled 80, 000, sorry, 80 miles, and every step must have been very difficult. But after the difficult journey, they arrive of which would be the hardest thing of the whole journey and the whole story of, of Joseph and Mary, they arrive as strangers amongst their family. And, and when you read between the lines, you'll understand why we would, I would say this. And it's that classic part of this is that they are experiencing, when they arrive with all of Joseph's family around, everyone who would be celebrating... The, the birth moms who would be there or the doulas or whatever they were, all would be there, but we find Mary and Joseph alone, which kind of tells the story that happened here. And they've been through a lot, but it, 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 
it didn't bring them to despair, right? It didn't count them out. And I think it's a, it's a relational divide that happens when they get there. So it's the next part of the story. But we can relate to that. Uh, I, I don't know about how many Christmas dinners or seeing extended family where you can feel the tension in a relational divide. Have you ever had that? Or you feel like, okay, even just personally you're struggling or emotionally you're struggling. And sometimes, even right now, it's a physical divide. We can relate to that. There's not a connection happening there. And this is what happened when they show up, Luke 2, 5. This is the last part of the story. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, clearly stating not his wife yet. He was now expecting, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to have a baby born. She gave birth to her son, uh, her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, not, not totally traditional, and laid him in a manger, not totally traditional. And here's why, because there was no lodging available for them. I, I, I know we can relate to this. This is, a, this is a closed door because of a cultural taboo that made no sense to them, but they committed to God's journey. And so she's giving birth in a place she would never consider giving birth, and there's no family around, and there's nobody there to help. I don't even know if Joseph delivered the baby. I have no idea. But there's no lodging available for them. The doors were closed. And when I look at it, I think, okay, I really want to see their story as personal. And we can relate to this story. We have all had unexpected change. We might be in or have gone through a difficult journey with a hope and a promise on the other end that we're hanging on to. And then we all have experienced relational distance and disconnect and for a lot of reasons. But if this couple can go to the finish line and this couple can put their trust and hope, I think it's a reminder to us that even a family in crisis with hope and peace in this season can carry through and can really have something stronger than what they ever thought. Even when our relationship seems out of place and divided, peace and hope in Christ becomes the anchor in the, even in the midst of heartache and, and disappointment. I'll say these last thoughts. I, I, I would probably say that I think some of us can relate to that a little bit when it comes to relational or obstacles in the way. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it's going to take us to, to, to really hang on to our peace and hope to bridge those divides. It's just going to have to. I think God can give us strength to do things we never thought we could do. And he can give us a perspective we never thought we could have. And I'll say now, probably more than ever, our church community, our friends, our family, need to anchor into peace and hope and trust that God's got it. And then anchoring into hope can maybe even help us see that, man, maybe, maybe, something, maybe I have something more secure here so I don't have to be so insecure about these relational divides. And maybe I can reach across the aisle. Maybe I can lay down my guard or maybe I can lay down my pride because I've got something greater than this structure. But I'll maybe say these last thoughts. Mary and Joseph, they endured hope in a promise. And, and you have to know, Christian, you have that same promise. You carry that same thing, that same hope and that same life. That's the privilege we have. 
That's the thing that we can encourage each other out of. That's the thing you can root yourself into when blocks and blocks are being taken apart and life feels like it's sometimes unraveling. That's the hope that we can anticipate and celebrate and say, wow, on that day, like my hope was born. On that day, my peace that surpasses all understanding was born. And that day, I want to celebrate because it reminds me of what I have. And I'll say this, man, that they held on to their hope and peace, and you and your story can hold on to your hope and peace. And, man, we, you have a community around you supporting you and loving on you. And if, if you need encouragement in that area, please let us know. And let us help remind you or, like, Paul would tell Timothy, fan the flame inside of you. Stir up that little spark into a flame and so you have something greater inside and seeing it for what it is. But I'll say this. I love that, that quote I read, but I think this, hope is the star that shines in the darkest adversities, and I think we have to remember that. No matter what you are going through, no matter if you feel alone in it, like they, Mary and Joseph probably did, is that that, that brightest star shines in, when it's when you feel like there's the darkest adversity around you. And some of you know exactly what I mean. You've been there. And I just encourage you or to encourage someone else of the same hope and remind our fellow Christians that we got to get away from this structure. There's more to life than when a block comes out, it all comes tumbling down. Or we question, God, are you even, are you even here for me? Do you even care about me? Or God's saying, I don't work on this structure. I work on a different structure that will carry you through to the finish. So let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. I thank you for the story of Mary and Joseph. They were people. Their life changed. They went through hard times and difficulty. But God, they carried something bigger that brought them to Bethlehem. And God, I thank you that you, you, you have that same hope with inside of us. You, Christ, you live in our hearts. We have this valuable treasure in this jar of clay that feels like it could be chipped away and broken at any moment. But God, something stronger is within us. I pray for our church as we're going into the Christmas season. God, I pray for any of those who might find discouragement and despair, God. This is just a series to lift the hearts and minds and attitudes and hope of our church and pointing our eyes on you and putting less trust in the circumstances around us. God, we love you. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your salvation that was born that day that lives on in billions of people around the world. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for joining us in the park. We hope you have a great day. Feel free to hang out, say hi to everybody, and then we will see you next week. All right, take care.